0: Howdy. Today, I wanted to talk about the idea that God's Word is not easy. There are a lot of things where we will oftentimes come into discussing the Bible and discussing God's Word, and there's an idea that has especially come out post-Reformation. It's the idea that because everyone can and should be able to read scripture and be able to understand it in their own language that therefore everything in it should be automatically easy to understand and perfectly clear from the very beginning. I am going to stand up here and dismiss that idea right out of hand. There are a lot of times whenever we are trying to understand what God is trying to say, and it is not clear from the beginning, and even later down the line, it is still not very clear. But that's not just true for what we're reading out of Scripture. It's also for the ways in which we're living out Scripture. There was uh, about, gosh, it was... 17? No, uh, 15 years ago. The fact that I'm describing things in my adult life as more than 10 years ago is really unnerving. Um, um, But basically, we were going through a lot of transitions at the church where I was at. I'd been there maybe a year. And we found out that apparently, while I had been brought on to help the lead pastor who was going to set up a network of house churches in the area, he had decided that, God no longer wanted him at that church anymore and was going to leave and do everything exactly the same way, but at another church one hour away. And at that moment in time was pausing and saying, I don't know what's going on, God, but would you just mind showing me a little bit about what it is that this is for? Well, at the time, I'd been helping out another church with youth ministry. So between the two of them, we were looking at possibly splitting my work between our church and another one where I'd be able to do youth work between the two of them. But over the course of two weeks, ended up finding out that not only did apparently nobody on leadership team seem to realize what we were doing, but then decided that my call's associate pastor was going to disappear altogether. So in the course of two weeks, went from finding out that I might possibly become sole pastor to, no, you're no longer going to be pastor here at all in the next month. The thing is, is that at that moment in time, I was sitting in front of a regional vice president for our district, and I cried like a baby. Not one of my proudest moments. But also at the same time, what became difficult was that then I was asked whether I needed to go talk to a counselor for the next six months because I cried at losing my call. The thing that I discovered at that moment was not just the fact that oftentimes we think we know exactly what path we're supposed to follow. And yet, out of nowhere, It'll just change suddenly but also realizing that When we struggle and when we have those moments of hardship that oftentimes it's easier in the church To think you're just not strong enough to handle it Instead of pausing and saying maybe though We're just supposed to support and love one another in the midst of these things See following God's Word It's not easy. It's never going to be, and it's not meant to be. Two passages that we have today end up emphasizing that very vividly. You see, whenever Abraham was being promised that he was going to have a nation, this was very late in life. And not only that, but having been told this, it was many years before he and his wife, Sarah, had Isaac. Now, I'm not a biologist by any means, but I'm pretty sure that whenever men are 99 and women are 89, that there are certain things about men that don't work the way that they always did, and that there are certain things about women that don't work the way that they always did. I am pretty sure that Abraham and Sarah both knew this as well. But in the midst of this, God is still saying, I have a plan for you. The thing about Abraham and Sarah, though, is that while God kept affirming for them a covenant, they were pretty sure that they needed to take things into their own hands and make sure that everything fit the way it was supposed to. This is why it was that Abraham ended up having Ishmael by one of his wife's concubines, which ended up causing much hardship, not only for their family, but also for many years, the descendants of both Isaac and Ishmael would end up having conflict, even in many ways today. By trying to jump in and instead of pausing to have patience and compassion for what God was doing in their lives. Is instead they figured we know how best to make sure this works. Oftentimes God sees our stumbling and has to complete his plans by going around us. And that's one of the things that we end up seeing here is that while Abraham and Sarah they saw what God had promised, but they were also starting to get a little impatient, but also wondering how God could possibly do things when it didn't seem to match their plans very well. Are there ways in which God is causing us to wait on him? Are there times whenever we're saying, God, I know that this would be something you would want, but why haven't you worked it out yet? Why is it that you haven't quite shown me how this plan, this path, is supposed to go just yet? Or how is it that oftentimes we think of God's blessing in our lives as flawed? It doesn't match what we're expecting God to be doing. It somehow doesn't quite fit our image of what we were expecting of him. And then we start to see it as somehow flawed. That somehow maybe God isn't doing what it was that we were expecting him to do. Because it's not quite matching our time frame. It's not quite matching our template. Or even more than that is maybe to ask you a question straightforward. Do you want the blessing from God that you have in mind? Or do you want the blessing from God that God has in mind? It definitely takes a long time and I can say that firsthand when you think that you've seen either other people or even yourself sabotage God's plan and you keep wondering how you're supposed to scramble to fix it. The thing with this is that it goes even beyond Abraham and Sarah and it goes to our gospel passage as well See Jesus is asking Peter. Who do you say that I am and I want to make sure I point something out to you When Jesus says to Peter who do you say that I am this isn't you in the singular form? He's not just looking at Peter. This is actually y'all okay which in reality is which means that Um, they needed to have more Texans when translating the Bible. They really would have done a much better job if they had our lingo and vocabulary in there. Even all y'all would have been really helpful for some other passages. I'm just saying. I don't think they had Whataburger listed in here, but I don't think it was kosher either. With it, though, is he says, Who do y'all say that I am? See, Peter's not just speaking on his own behalf. They've been talking about this. Peter just happened to be the first one to say it. And he's saying, you are the Christ. You see, this is different from a lot of what other people had said. You may be wondering, why would anybody think that Jesus was John the Baptist? They were clearly two different people. Well, yes, but not everybody had met John the Baptist. And also, don't forget, Herod had killed John the Baptist and was being haunted in his own mind by John the Baptist. But also, some people thought maybe Elijah, because Elijah was meant to herald the end times, the coming of God's future kingdom. They thought maybe he was just another prophet. But you see, he was more than just meant to be a prophet, is that he was meant to be the prophet that Moses had foretold. Why the prophet that Moses had foretold? Because the prophet that Moses had foretold was meant to come and be the king. This was not a safe choice of words. Peter saying this is not just lip service. How many times do we say the name Jesus Christ, and we just think of Christ as being Jesus' last name, as if that's what's going to be on his mailbox somehow, and let us know we've got the right address? When we say Jesus Christ, we're saying Jesus who is anointed by God the Father to be the king over all things, especially our own lives. But do we actually believe that about Jesus? Because that also means that he's the one determining what's going to happen in our lives and in our plans. But just like myself, on a very, very difficult first date, Peter just kept talking. And you never know what's going to come out of his lips. And what ends up happening? Does he just kind of leave things as, you are the Christ, now Jesus, why don't you tell us a little bit more about what that's going to mean? Oh no. Jesus then lets them know what it is that the Christ is going to have to do. The Christ is going to have to give his life for others and come back to life on the third day. Notice what it said in there. He was speaking plainly. How difficult is that whenever we find out that God's plan is going to mean something that's a lot harder than what we were expecting? I'm going to tell you right now, I gave up on being a pastor 12-something years ago. That was sort of this moment of, well, God, this must not be the plan. So I'm going to start trying to figure out what the plan is. And with that is taking a lot of time, instead of asking God what he's trying to do, it took a while to stop saying, how is it that I need to fix this mess that I've somehow gotten myself into? There have been a number of times whenever I can look back and I can say, was this the part where I messed up God's plan? Is this the part where everything went wrong? Is this the place where somehow it doesn't match what he wanted and now I need to somehow find my way to get back to whatever that path was? And yet the struggle, the suffering, the issues that we have... Why do we think that those are taking us off the path when Jesus himself said that the very path is meant to go to the cross? And that's the hard part here, is that Peter wasn't just saying, I'm having a difficult time with what you're saying, Jesus. He's rebuking the plan of salvation. There are times whenever, as a pastor, you have to say difficult things. It is not enjoyable. I'm typically a pretty easygoing, laughable kind of a guy. I like to have people over for coffee. I like to have people over for scotch. I like to be able to just sit down and enjoy time with people and just see how they're doing and encourage them. Every once in a while, The difficult conversation has to come. And Jesus being in front of all these people has to tell the guy who is always ready to jump in, get behind me, Satan. Because what Peter is saying is completely going against what Jesus needed to get across. All the times that he had to rebuke the demons and tell them to stop telling other people about Oh, his kingship and everything that they expect. Because he doesn't want to stop things from getting, he doesn't want things to get in the way between him and where he needs to go. But isn't that also what God is trying to do in our path as well? Isn't he also trying to tell you, stop thinking you've got it figured out where I'm trying to send you. Stop thinking that you know what it is that I have in store for you. Stop thinking that as soon as something doesn't go the way that you intended it, that somehow that means it's all gone wrong, and you need to somehow fix it. Because with this, Jesus is not interested in trying to see how we're going to get him to his kingship. Jesus is interested in saying, I'm going to achieve that by going to a place that you may not want me to go, but it also may be a place that you don't want to go either. Are we genuinely asking how God is leading us at each step, even when it requires sacrifice, serving, and humility on our part? We have a lot of struggles that we are facing, not just individually, but also as a congregation. There are a lot of things that not only we've been through over the last year, but also the last four years, also the last ten years. Things at this moment in time do not look exactly the way that many people have thought that they would. But that does not mean that God is no longer doing his work. That also means that you may have a lot of hard things in front of you for it. There may be some times in which there are people in your life that you are actually meant to have difficult conversations with. There may be some things where other people need to have difficult conversations with you there may be some things at which you're going to realize that you are going to need to put forth extra effort. We have a lot of challenges for you. But there are a lot of things that maybe you're sitting back and saying, hey, this is a season in my life where I just want to be passive and just let things kind of just wash over me. There is no part in God's Word for that. Your part in this is active and meaningful right here and right now. And I can't promise you that whatever that old way of looking at things is going to be is necessarily going to fit very well with God's plan going forward. But what I can tell you is that you also can't mess it up. Your issues, your times of pushing back on God doesn't stop the fact that God's love and forgiveness for you has overcome it. And it doesn't stop the fact that God's love and forgiveness has overcome what the world is trying to do as well. So for you today, if you're still looking to pursue what it is that you want, over what it is that God has in mind, then my my challenge to you today is to let it go. Let it go. Because what God has in mind for you is so much better than what it is that we thought we had in mind for ourselves. So today and always, whether with you or, in spite of you, God is still calling you to His path and to His ways. How are we going to listen and to follow, starting with ourselves? Thanks be to God.